name's Sarah Connolly and today I'm talking to Emma Pooley, uh, Olympic silver medalist, world champion in the in the time trial and three times Giro Rossa 2014 stage winner. Emma, how are you? Um, I'm well, thank you. Yeah, just getting over a bit of a cough, but um, cheerful, happy, looking forward to the Commonwealth Games. And um, we're talking today because you have some big news, don't you? Yep. Yeah, I am going to retire after the Commonwealth Games road race on Sunday the 3rd August this year. Oh my god, I, I, as, a, as a huge Emma Pooley fan I have to say, oh god, please don't go, but I mean, why? Why are you retiring? Um, well, you have to go sometime. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've, I've been thinking about it for a while, so I, I considered retiring after the London Olympics because it seemed like a good watershed. Um, but I sort of felt like I wasn't quite finished yet and I didn't want to retire and then have regrets a few years later and wish I hadn't and um, so I've had a I've had a season and a half since then and um, I've been mulling it over and I I came to the conclusion that time is definitely right for me and I think the Commonwealth Games is, is the perfect opportunity because it's it's a big event and it's almost at home and I want to go out properly when I've planned it and have no regrets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I think about riders like Ina Yoko Teutenberg, who had to retire after that hideous crash um, two years ago, where she didn't have the choice. Yeah. But equally, I wonder, I mean, you've just won three stages of Giro Rossa. You're clearly the best climber in the world. You know, when you look ahead at the hilly worlds and stuff, doesn't that tempt you a little bit to stay? Um, that's fine. Um, I... Well, I think I'm, I'm really lucky that I can make a decision when I go. You know, a lot of people, like you say, the choice is made for them either by injury or maybe team dynamics or or, or wanted, well, wanted to start a family's own choice, I suppose. But um, I, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I can decide, I'm deciding when I go. And it's, so it's, it's a positive choice, I would say. And, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm a little... It was a little bit of me after the, the first Euro win, the first day top on the Euro this year, that was sort of thought, well, okay, maybe, maybe I am good enough to carry on until Rio 2016. But another bit of me knows that the decision was made, the decision was definitely made. And maybe I think, maybe I, I had a good Euro because that weight of carrying on was off my shoulders in some ways, yeah. without making it sound like a burden. Maybe it was just sort of last chance at the saloon bar or whatever yeah. or last chance at the last chance bar or whatever but I mean I think it is awesome to go out on a high so I think you know I'm really looking forward to the especially the time trial in, in Glasgow but even if that doesn't go how I wanted to go I think I can look back on the season and, and be really proud of that zero especially um, and in fact look back on my whole career and be um, without one saying be, be quite proud of it and um I have, a, I have a habit of getting caught up in the, the stresses of the moment and and not enjoying things, I think, when mm -hmm. they're happening. But when I look back, I'm, yeah, I'm actually, I'm really proud of what I've achieved in cycling. And especially as I never, I never set out to be a cyclist, you know, it was all totally accidental. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I'll never win everything. That's just, I'm not, I'm not the kind of rider that can win everything. I, I can't win a sprint. And that's just something I've had to accept. And I think that, for, for my, given my weaknesses as a rider, which are many, sadly, I think um, I've done what I wanted to do and what I could do, and I can be proud of that and 
buy them, go out without too many regrets. And um, yeah, there's a, there's also another reason for stopping now rather than you know I mean I could physically I'm sure I could carry on until the next Olympics. Um, I'm 31 now, and um, certainly it's that's kind of a, a good age for endurance sport, but. Um, I have been dabbling in triathlon and running for a while now, for since last season, and um, I I love running, and I really want to have a go at long course triathlon quite seriously, um, and also some mountain running. And so that's um, I want to I want to retire from cycling early enough that I can do triathlon seriously. <laughs> yeah, because I mean I, I I mean you started off as a you started off as a runner, didn't you? When you were uh, when you were when you were at uni and when you were a kid. Um, and then you moved to cycling. I mean, is it? And, and obviously, you've been doing those completely ludicrous triathlons where you swim through an alpine, <laughs> swim through an alpine lake, and then run up an alp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and I'm really lucky. Uh, I'm really lucky that I live I live near the Alps, and you know I love mountains. It's fairly obvious from my uh, riding style. But um, I, I I would even if I weren't competing, I would ride my bike and run around the mountains because it's something I love, and it's it's almost. It can be always meditative when, when it's going well, whether you're racing someone or not. And and I yes, I think um, those kind of challenges really excite me and inspire me. And um, I think yeah, someone said to me once, you know, you should living the dream. They say that all the time. And I know I'm super lucky. I'm I'm so fortunate to have been able to to be a professional cyclist. And it's a, it's an opportunity that I'm really grateful for. But um, I thought well. There are other things I dream of doing as well, and they involve running and swimming, and maybe scrambling a bit, and you know, <laughs> going uphill and and staying in mountain huts. And, and there's just, you know, there's there's more to life, and there's definitely more to me than just just cycling and just um, bike races. And I, you know, it, it's hard as a professional cyclist to spend so much time on the road that it, I have tried to, to juggle the triathlon and the cycling, and it's just been really difficult. And um, yeah, I've done all right in some races, but I, without wanting to sound arrogant, I think I could do better in triathlon. In fact, I'm sure I could do better in triathlon. I could get some decent results if I focus on it and don't spend my whole time dashing from a half Ironman to a stage race and then back to a Ironman or something. You know, <laughs> um, I'd like to. I'd like to focus on that for a while. Yeah. But I mean. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me because your career, I mean, you know, forgive me for being mean, but, you know, when we, we used to joke about you in 2008 about, you know, your lack of descending power and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you improved that. You went away and you worked really hard on it and you improved it. And there's, and it's interesting watching you ride, you know, the jokes about Emma Pooley, she's allergic to riding the bunch. And you've obviously improved <laughs> on that as well. And you've improved tactically. And it kind of feels like, it, it feels like it's natural for you to keep pushing yourself you know, like yeah. if you've, once you've solved descending, right? What's the next challenge? <laughs> um, I'm glad it looked so. so I'm glad it looked good from the outside. I mean, the thing is, you never solve it. Like, I, I don't feel like I've, I, I, I love descending now. I really enjoy it, and I'm definitely a lot better than I was. But you don't ever solve. Oh, I can't ever solve descending or riding the bunch. Like Mariana Boss and Trixie Wright will always be better than me at descending, and that's okay. I can still occasionally win a race, and riding the bunch. So that that really has been my weakness, and um, that's something that I think I just started cycling a bit too late, and I'm I'm just I'm just a bit too scared, and it, it's it's embarrassing to admit it, but everyone has their limitations, and for me that's that's a big one, and I, yeah, I'm definitely better at it, and I'm also yeah, I'm quite pleased that I managed to improve it, 
but um, descending is the real one. Like I, I love descending now. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to push to fall off, but it, it, it's a huge part of cycling. It's really fun, and I'm, I'm forever grateful to my my former coach Tim Williams. He um he's, he's very very good at training that kind of thing, and, and and very patient. And I'd recommend him to anybody who's struggling on corners or descents. <laughs> But it's but it's interesting though, like that 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 need to push. I mean, I, I guess it's also interesting looking at the women's calendar because obviously in two thousand and eight, you were you know it was you versus Mara Abbott in the Tour de Lode and the Giro, and you know listening to Ellen Van Dyke talk about how there's so few time trials in races this year, and so she's you know yeah. she's finding it hard, you know, so she can't win go for the general classification in races yeah. because there's no time trials. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, does that does that influence your decision as well? Yes, I have to say that you know if, if there were a whinge, I would I would whinge on my way out. It would be it would be that the lack of yeah time trials and mountains in stage races. And but it's obvious I'm a I'm a hilly time trialist. So what am I going to say? But <laughs> I think I think there is definitely scope for the races on the women's calendar to become more challenging. And I think I think. It, I think that the the visionary race organisers, like the um, the organisers of the Giro, they see that and they'll they'll keep pushing the boundaries. But there's a tendency to perhaps sort of condescend to the female cyclists and say, oh well, you know, the strength and depth isn't there, so you know we can't put too many hills in, or people get dropped. Well, of course people are going to get dropped. It's, it's a bike race. It's supposed to get dropped. You know, I get dropped on windy crosswind stages and <laughs> some of the sprinters get dropped on mountains that's just the way it should be and that that does frustrate me a bit because because the women's president doesn't need condescending to they're bloody tough yeah. <laughs> they turn their asses off excuse my swearing okay i'm gonna swear and touch it um they, they turn their backsides off and 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 they do it for little or no money and without you know the luxury of some fancy bus to sit in afterwards and and they do it because they love it and they like pushing themselves and i, I honestly think that you know, it couldn't couldn't happen overnight that women race the same races as men because, you know, if if people haven't trained to ride a 250k stage, then it, you know, it's going to be fairly tricky. But but over time, that progression is definitely possible. And there's no there's absolutely no physical reason why women can't race a three-week tour like Evie just did two back-to-back -back stage races and yeah. came out the second one stronger and won it. You know, and it's racing against fresh people. And and you know, I know. I, I can ride 250k in training, then so can everyone else. You know, I'm not special, <laughs> and I, that, that's that's my. It is a bit frustrating, I have to say that. But, you know that, that there aren't more mountain stages, there aren't more time trials in our races. And I remember it was the same when I was time trial world champion. And I, I think I got to wear my skin suit, my fancy white skin suit, I think four times in the whole year. I mean, it's gutting. Although mm. I mean, I don't look great in white, but <laughs> still, you you want to wear it once you've got it. <laughs> Rainbow suit, everyone. Exactly, exactly. I wouldn't care if I had to. Yeah, I'd be happy with the rainbow. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, looking back, I mean, it's easy to hope. It is so easy to focus on the negatives, and I guess, looking back though, you've had some incredible experiences. I mean, when you're when you're looking back, um, I guess, a my first question is, what's the highlights of your cycling life? And my second question is, what make you know what what makes you smile when you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking those um, might be two different things. <laughs> um, no, a bit of both. I mean, there's so many highlights. I mean, I've been so lucky to have this opportunity, and it—I I really, it's not, yeah, it's something I never expected to to do. And yeah, there are low lights too because I think you can't have the highs without the lows. And but I think 
I mean, it sounds silly, but winning races is so awesome. I mean, it just makes you feel really good. And, and whether that's winning yourself or helping a teammate win, I mean, some of my best memories are, are like helping um, Claudia um, Lichtenberg, um, she is now, but she was Claudia Hoyser then, win the, the Giro and the Tour de Lode, or with helping um, Kissenbild at the Tour of Montreal. And it's just the most, or, or the team time trial, when we won the team time trial in Sweden, that was just incredible. Like, it's such an amazing feeling of, of team achievement. And yeah. I think looking back on on all those all those wins, whether it was me or a teammate, it, it makes me grin. I mean, um, I think the highlights, like for me personally, probably uh, I guess a few a few stand out. Although every win is sweet, <laughs> but <laughs> I think my my first cycling highlight was probably when I managed to finish the chain gang with the Cambridge Cycling Club, which would have been in 2005. When I managed to get around the chain gang without anyone giving me a push, that was my first <laughs> win, I would say. Um, I'm still immensely proud of that. Um, and um, it sounds silly, but it was it was hard. Um, and then I think when I, my first international race win, which was, I think, it was a stage of touring and, and it was very unexpected and, and very quite fluky but I did sort of 90 k solo or something and and um just I just have stubbornness and and um and that was that was amazing I remember because I was the first time I was drug tested race as well I was really proud of myself I done well enough to get drug tested I'm so pleased um, <laughs> and then the Beijing Olympics and the world championships I think the, the one I won um, yeah. they were obviously Beijing getting a medal at all was just so unexpected and such a wonderful surprise. And then the World Championships, I mean, that's, it takes a while to sink in, but that's something that, you know, you, you get to wear a little stripe somewhere forever. And that's, that's pretty cool. I'll always have been world champion. And that's, that's pretty cool. And then, yeah. Yeah, that, that stage six of, of the Giro this year was, um, that was highly emotional. I've never, I've never felt so emotional after a race before and I think because it was a really really hard stage to win yeah. in the end it was very close and yeah. just a real battle and I I didn't I think I hadn't believed in myself beforehand that I could win a race like that ever again and so to do it and then to do it the hard way yeah. Um, and yeah I felt like I'd, I'd proved something to myself and to other people but mostly to myself and um, yeah I, that, that was um yeah, I, I really cried quite hard off that, and it was, um, it's silly, I mean, it's only a silly bike race, it's just riding around in the big circle, but it's still, it was somehow, that was a very special one. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the thing about the stage six in Giro was that it was no gifts, there was no gift there, like, like we were joking that, that oh, well, look, now she's six minutes down on GC, maybe they'll just let her ride. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. Actually, my dad sent me. My dad, my 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 parents are wonderful. They've been so supportive, even though certainly it's what they expected when they put me through university. <laughs> but um, uh, so they, I, <laughs> and I think um, I think my mum for sure would like me to have a more sensible job. But but they've been so supportive. My dad sent me a text after that stage six of the Giro saying, "Well done." Uh, they should know by now not to let you get away or something. And I said, they didn't let me get away. <laughs> yes. I got away on my own and I fought for it every metre. You know, there's no, there's no gifts anymore. There's no one anymore who says, oh, you know, she's small. It's, it's 90k to the finish. She won't make it. That doesn't happen anymore. And so I have had to get a bit smarter and um, I'm not sure I have, but I've, you know, I've tried to get a bit more wily in my tactics and attacks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's good time for our training. <laughs> I think that was the the interesting part was watching you switch into time trial mode, 
and you seem to have a very very fast cadence and very kind of you know very very it was just interesting watching the difference between you riding in front and the chasing group riding behind you just yeah it looks it's like going yeah I mean apart from the fact that we always joke about you know the Emma Pooley she looks like she's going to the shops on her sit-up and beg bike <laughs> in the village <laughs> well, everyone yes, else I, do, like, I do have I do somehow look really ridiculous on a bike. I think it's because I'm so short. But um, I don't often watch footage of myself racing because it, I don't think I don't know. It's not good for your head. I don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. But um, I did watch a, a few those Giro stages, some of them. Um, and then um, I look so strange on a bike. <laughs> anyway, it's good for just as a message for women out there who've taken up cycling. You know, if I can fit on a bike, then anyone can. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting because, you know, the, I think that I always remember, I might have said this to you before, but the um, Cervelo videos at Vagorda, and there was someone asking about women-specific geometry, and I think it was Kirsten or you oh. saying, yeah, if we can get a bike that fits both of us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, yeah, like, Tor and I, who won the World Championships the same year, I mean, totally different shapes, but, so you see, Cervelo... Uh, this is, and I don't want to make a sort of selling point for Cervelo, but you don't need women-specific bikes. Seems to me to be just a funny paint job. I mean, women in general are smaller, but there are some tall women and there are some short guys. And, and at the end of the day, it's just what frame size fits. And I get I actually get quite a lot of questions over Twitter now, people looking for bikes for their girlfriends or sisters or daughters or something. But you know, basically for people who are about my height or shorter. And um, I'm not big on Twitter, and I'm certainly sorry, but I'm not going to answer every question on Twitter. I'll just I'll never get any sleep. Um, but you know, you, you only have to do a quick Google search now to find a small frame, and that's it's a lot easier than it was certainly when I started riding. I think to find small bikes. So you asked about um, what makes me smile when I look back, um, and uh, I think I just talked about winning bike races, which is obviously makes you smile. But um, there's actually been a lot of hilarious, hilarious times with teammates and teams and things going wrong and <laughs> and there are so many yeah I mean so many things to smile about looking back and I think one of the things I'm most grateful for for having had this opportunity to, to race you know to, to sort of explore the world of cycling a bit is just the people I've met along the way that have you know not just teammates although teammates play a huge part in your life when mm. you're racing but team staff and race organisers and journalists and uh, just a whole lot of people I would never have had the opportunity to meet and, and just have some really hilarious times with, especially with teammates you know I think one of the, the, the we don't often have post-race parties in the cycling because everyone has to dash off home straight away and drive overnight to get back to Belgium or whatever And um, but one time one time we stayed well, twice we stayed after the Giro because the race everyone was put on accommodation and, and um, yeah we hadn't won either time so there wasn't really much to celebrate in some ways but um, we decided because we never normally have a party after a race we thought we would and, um, and uh, there was one hilarious incident where I um, we, we went to this the post Giro party and it was supposed to be a barbecue and pizza and stuff and um, there was a massive thunderstorm when it poured and the whole place was flooded and I was wearing these flip flops and having a grip and basically I, having not crashed on Giro I managed to slip over on the on the, these slippery um, wooden flagstones um, land on my arm and had the massivest bruise and the whole like the whole of the women's peloton was there obviously it was a post-race post-euro party and they could not stop laughing it was hilarious because it looked like I was totally pissed and um, <laughs> actually my flip-flops were just really slippery and basically I had this massive bruise on my arm massive and it was so painful um, and uh, yeah um, and everyone thought it was hilarious that's probably probably what I'll be remembered for to be honest <laughs> 
So, I mean, out of the peloton, who are you? Well, who, which riders are going to be like the people that you're always going to keep in touch with? Um, Sharon Laws for sure. Um, <laughs> I do anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm probably rubbish at emailing anyone to be honest, but definitely Sharon. I mean, I, she's a person that I really admire, and um, I hope some of my teammates are this year, um, like uh, Lisbeth and Yolene. I mean, all of them. But it, it, I, I really, I really struggle with emails, to be honest, because if you if you email everyone you know all the time, you you never have any time to yourself. But um, WhatsApp's good, and Facebook, and I, you know, I try, I try to keep in touch with the teammates. You were friends as well, if you still to me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, I'm just, I'm not very good at it. I mean, my mum can tell me a crap email and get hurt. It's sad. As, yeah, it's a sad thing to know that people I might not see again um, ever, you know. But, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. That's the, I think if you, if you do a job that involves a lot of travelling at some point. <laughs> Yeah, you can't be you can't be best friends with everyone all over the world, which is a bit sad. But yeah. that's well, maybe maybe you'll be maybe you're competing in triathlon. No pressure, but maybe you'll compete in triathlon in Rio and see them there. Oh no 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 no! Oh, I should be really, I should be really clear about this. So I'm not I'm not going to do Olympic triathlon because um, because I'm nowhere 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 near quick enough. I'm just totally not at that level. So is is a real difference between Olympic triathlon and a long course because. The Olympic one is super quick and um, it's drafting on the bike, so <laughs> that what they are is super quick swimmers and then basically runners. Like they, they most like the the Brownie brothers are quick enough runners to be on the national team for running the most. And, um, so I, there's no way I'm quick enough. So long course is non-drafting on the bike, so the side, you know, it's 180, it's 90 or 180 km, it's a half a full line, and, and there's non-drafting, so the bike becomes much more important. Than, yeah. Um, so I know there's no way I'll be in Rio, um, the Olympics, but but I mean, I, I mean I think that's I will still be racing and I travelling to to, to try so I mean, The big difference is that I get to choose what races I target and I get to plan my season. And so I mean I, I hope I can maybe you know go visit Sharon when I'm racing Challenge Barcelona or um, see some of my friends in the states when I'm racing over there. And, and um, yeah, and I mean I won't. I'm not going to stop cycling. I'm going to be doing triathlon. So, um, you know, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult with the team and the licensing system. So I, I doubt I'll do any pro races anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I will be. Like, so later this season, I'm doing the, the Twas Etap Sporty, which is a charity ride, which um, yep. is also good training. And I'm doing the the Orch Route again, which I did in 2012, which is brilliant training I mean, and, and a lot of fun. And it's kind of, yeah, I know it's a sporty, even some people would turn up their nose at it, but I have to say, that, you know, it's really good training and um, and it's fun. So. You know, I'm not. I'm still going to cycle, and I hope I'll see some of my friends at events like that sometimes. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's it's like it's. It just seems like a really interesting thing for you to do. It just seems very you to kind of like just be. Oh right, okay, I finished my PhD. What's the next challenge? <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, it's funny that I guess I wanted I wanted a season of cycling where I wasn't either doing my PhD or having it in the background hanging over me like a sort of dead weight and. Um, I've had her this year, and um, and it's it's been great. So I've enjoyed it, but actually, it didn't it didn't stop me being the sort of angsty person I am. Yeah. And I think it's, one of the regrets I do have is is that I am quite an anxious person, and I find that quite hard to manage. And and I wish sometimes I just wish I'd, I'd enjoyed the moment a bit more. But mm. uh, that's maybe that's just the person I am. But. Um, well, I think it's um, kind of it's, it's like the double-edged sword, isn't it? Because if you were less anxious and angsty and perfectionisty, 
you'd be less likely to have achieved so much? Um, yeah, sometimes I think my fears have held me back a bit, and I think that's um, sometimes. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, I'm the person I am, and I, I can't change that. Usually, I'm working on being more cheerful. I suppose <laughs> that sounds silly, but um, you know, I yeah, I think counting your blessings is is a is a good motto for life, and I, I do more and more often count my blessings and the opportunities I've had and the people I know and the friends I've got and, and the family that supports me and I think that's um yeah so I'm trying to be less anxious what I'm trying to say <laughs> and I think yeah, what I want to say about this season is that my team I've, I've really enjoyed voting a lot over I think having a team didn't put, pressure, didn't put any pressure on me and it's been very supportive that's um that's been yeah that's been really really nice and um they gave me the opportunity without the pressure and um and you know they knew that I might not race after the Giro, um, and um, and they've been 100% behind me in this decision. And I'm I'm really grateful to them because you know, I, you know I, this is, this year would have been really sad if I hadn't had that opportunity. And yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful to them for supporting my decision. And I, I've really enjoyed racing with them. I think I couldn't have certainly couldn't have done well with the Giro if I had the support. I had a lot of friends on and the whole team, the staff and the riders. So I mean, with them. So when when you came back, this when you started, you started at Flesh, didn't you? Helderland at yeah. Flesh. Did they know right from the start that this was it was a limited time Emma Pooley option? No, I hadn't. At the start of the year, I hadn't. I wasn't sure. So I, you know, it's. Um, I wanted time to think about it, and, and I wanted to race my bike properly and see if. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just think that it's a big decision and, and one that takes a while to evolve a bit. So when I signed with Lotto, they knew that this might be my last season or that I might carry on to Rio. I felt like it was a bit of a, that was a, a dichotomy I had. Like, if, yeah. I, if I race next year, then I'd, I'd want to go to Rio. I mean, the chance of going to Olympics is a huge, huge opportunity. And, and I, so it was either stop now or stop in 2016, if, if I got the choice, obviously. And um, so I... They, they knew that there was that possibility, but um, they, they were also they were brilliantly supportive and said that if I carry on to 2016, that, that yeah they'd want to work with me for longer, which is, is a really nice position to be in as a rider. You know, it's um, it's a real privilege to work with people who are both professional and, and supportive like that. Um, so yeah, I'm I and I'm, I'm I know they'll 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 find um, they'll have a strong team next year, I'm sure. And I I am um, yeah, I'll miss them. <laughs> I mean, do you have any other yeah. regrets? I mean, apart from fear, anxiety, high-paid <laughs> personality. Um, <laughs> someone, some fellow person said that the important thing was to to have the right regrets. So, um, yeah, of course I've got regrets. And um, I think I've always, you must regret maybe not winning that, that race that you wants to win. And for me, I guess that, that's probably the duo, the women's duo. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, of course, but... but you know, I think if you set out being unsatisfied in life, unless you've absolutely won everything, earned more than everyone else, or something, you'll never be satisfied. And I did my best, and I think if you've done your best, there's nothing more you can ask of yourself. And I, um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> some people have said to me, "Are you really unlucky that you're, you know, Marianne Voss is so good and you're racing at the same time as her?" Well. Actually, no, it's a huge privilege to race against someone like Marianne Voss. She's basically the Eddie Merckx of, our, of women's cycling. And, and, you know, maybe when I'm old and in a rocking chair, I'll look back and be able to tell my grandchildren or my cat or something that, you know, I, I got to race Marianne Voss. And that was, you know, it's a privilege, not a, 
not something yeah. to complain about. And um, so um, I don't forget try my best for Jiro and um, and that that wasn't good enough. That's just the way it is. And um, yeah, so I'm. Um, I think that I don't want to define my cycling career by any, like a single error or, or the race I didn't win. I'd, like, I'd rather define it by yeah the experiences I've had and the fact that I'm you know the opportunities I've had and my gratitude for being able to do it at all. Really. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I think when I think about the Emma Pooney moments that make me smile, the one I will always remember is when you won the Giro. I know you've won it a couple of times, the GP Pluet, but there was that year where you were out alone with um, Voss and Yudan and Emma Johansson. And Voss looked yeah. over her left shoulder, and just at that time, you attacked up the right-hand side on the last lap. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'd be watching it live, and on all the previous climbs, you'd been looking, oh, no, Emma's not very good at climbing. Look, she's dropping back. She's hanging back on the climb. She's dropping back on the climb. And you're like, oh, right, that was sandbagging. <laughs> yes, I'm so proud of that race because I was really sneaky. I mean, I think... You were so that sneaky. Season, I was so sneaky. I mean, that season, I had the advantage that I, I won the Flesh on early, so I was I had a lot of confidence, and I had no pressure to win any more races. And by the time I got to Pluet, I was like, well, you know, doesn't, it's not like it doesn't matter, but um, I, I think, yeah, when you carry confidence into a race, it's much easier to do well, and I think, yeah. So I, and I was really clever there. I was, yeah, pretending to be knackered and getting dropped, and, and I, I waited for her to look the other way, and I went up to the inside. And if someone had moved right, I would have been boxed in, but... Um, yeah, I'm proud of that one because that, that's the good old days when I could attack harder occasionally than Mariana, and that's, that's hard these days. <laughs> I need a long climb. Yeah, but I think it's. I mean, the other one, the other one. I think it was the same season, or maybe it was the next, the season before, the one in Binda, where you'd attacked so many. It was terrible rain, awful, 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 and you'd like attacked a hundred times, and and when you actually finally went, it's on a section you could almost see the the women in the front. There was one high tech rider chasing, and the others just getting. Look, just don't. We'll catch her later. Oh, we can't bear it. And there you were off like a. But it's just all those, I think you'd attacked from like quite far back in the peloton and it was just like watching you zoom up the sides. Oh shit, there she goes, bugger. Yeah, you see that's probably my positioning. Sometimes I have to attack from like 30th position, which is a bit dumb, but um, yeah. But those, and I think the other thing that made me smile was Geelong, where in the world, where I think, I can't remember if I'm right, but I think it was you and David Miller and a couple other people yelling for the young under 23 boys at their race. At their race. Oh, yeah, as they went past the hotel, maybe. I don't know, I think you are on the side of the road and you were standing on yeah. the lamppost, so you and David Miller yes. looked the same yeah. height. Yeah, our hotel was right on the course, so I thought, well, I've got to go out and give them a shout. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, because as a cyclist, you don't often get to watch bike races, because, um, it, yeah, it would be cool if, if we had more women's races onto the men's races, because then you could watch their race afterwards or something, but, yeah, and um, it's so exciting to watch. <laughs> you don't often get to see it. I mean, did you, did it change how you felt seeing it on TV when, you know, you're saying about not really watching that much and then watching the um, Giro? Yes. Yeah, I suppose it does a bit. Um, I, I think I, I started this because, you know, I thought I'd like, win your race, like local races, and then, you know, it, got, it, it progressed. And, and, um, but it, it didn't take it up to be on TV, and I didn't take up the sport to be some kind of universe comes inspiration to people or, or role model or something it sounds terribly arrogant but but after after a few years I think after the 2010 season I thought well this is really fun but what's it doing and yeah um and and it feels a bit pointless I mean you're just essentially just riding around in circles and um and you know you normally end up where you started so it's not like you've really gone anywhere and I thought well 
am I doing this just for purely selfish reasons because I like winning or you know I'm not even making very much money and I could get a normal job and, and get on with life and have maybe a bit less stress and um, and then I started getting letters from people whose daughters ride bikes or who wanted a jersey or who sent me photos or I'd send them a jersey and then they'd send me a photo and I just it's only a small thing compared to you know the reach that maybe men's cycling has but it does that is that is the point of elite sport is to for people to see it and be either entertained or inspired or take up cycling even if it's just riding around the block I mean it doesn't have to be racing and I think um, yeah, so seeing my racing on TV occasionally or getting the odd message on Twitter or on Facebook or something, that really does make a difference. And it sounds a bit trite, but it, um, yeah, it does make a difference seeing it and, and knowing knowing that it's improving. I think women's cycling is definitely on the up and I think it's going to carry on getting better. So in some ways it's a pretty dumb time to leave it because I think um, in a few years' time there'll be far more races on, you know, on not just on YouTube, but on, you know, yeah. commentators on, on broadcast live and things. And I, I definitely think it's moving in that direction, and rightly so. And not because of, not because the cyclists want it, but because the audience wants to see it. And, um, yeah, so maybe I'm going the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think yeah. that was the thing about the Friends Life Women's Tour, was I yes. was so, so happy it happened before the Grand Depart, um, you know, because, you know, people can't say, oh, well, it's because of this or because of that. Like, there was literally no, no excuse. There's no excuse of it's because of the Olympics. Oh, well, it's because, you know, the Grand Depart did so well for cycling. It was just literally that people wanted to come out and cheer for you. And yeah. bring, especially people bringing their little girls. Yeah, and, it was know. so nice. That was just, I remember various Edmonds at the end. And, okay, I didn't, I didn't do very well at the race because, but that's, it's not really my fault. It wasn't the course that I could win no, on. No, no, no. And, and you still tried. And it was, I mean, and it was just, but it was, yeah, it's so tried, I guess, yeah. But, um, I mean, it was fun and it was good training and, um, and very much is close to where I'm from and, um, I mean, I think I was one of the last ones to leave because I was trying to get a coffee or something. I'm normally trying to get coffee and, um, there were just all these kids basically around wanting photos and autographs and, um, it was lovely. I've never been so happy to hang around after a race before and, and, and meet people that, yeah, children that like sport. I mean, even if it's not cycling, it's just really nice and um, made me feel like maybe I was I was being useful in a strange way. <laughs> no, I think it is. I mean, especially like on my Twitter. I think I think I because I think I've said this to you before, but I've um, you know I ask people what's the highlight of the Giro. It's just so I can check. Yeah. And it's like, and, and and normally it's like lots of different people saying different things. And this year it's blah blah blah. Emma Pooley. Oh, cool. <laughs> that's so nice. And um, I really appreciate it. So anyone who's listening, I'm really grateful. It, it's literally heartwarming. I uh, I was quite anti Twitter for a while, as some people might know. I'm not very good at social media. I'm more of an anti social media person. Um, like postcards, that's my thing. And um, postcards and letters. But um, I was kind of bullied into Twitter, and I've only realised maybe this year. I think after the National Time Trial, I went on Twitter because I thought, oh, okay, it's still work. I better answer all the Twittery stuff and thank the sponsors and stuff. And I'm on Twitter, and after 20 minutes, I felt like I was just a hero. It was brilliant <laughs> for my ego. Sometimes, sometimes you need a bit of a lift, and um, yeah. and it, it is Twitter is a really nice way for people to get in touch without. You know, it had to be Facebook or something, and I, um, so actually, I'm, I'm quite glad I'm on Twitter now. Yeah, well, even I, if I'm not very good at it still. So. <laughs> well, I mean, it must be. It's 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 like you know, just people finding each other and finding out how to follow women's cycling. You know, if I do one good thing in the world, it's yes. pointing people how to follow well, women's cycling, and that's <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have to say that's the one thing I just I just think anyone who's interested in women's cycling is just following you on Twitter because <laughs> you seem to be the only person who not quite, but you are pretty much. You're definitely the person who knows most about how to follow it. And, and I remember when I was home after um, 
no, I was in training camp after Giro, and I was trying to find out what was happening at Turing. And I was like, okay, they've got a race website. But, mm-hmm. Cycling news, well, they've clearly got everyone at the Tour de France and nobody at Turing in because there's nothing. Yeah. And um, so the only way I could find the results was looking at your Twitter feed, and that was quicker than anything else. And it was, um, I just thought, yeah, this is, this is how it must be for people who are trying to follow my races. It's just, they're frustrated, and the best thing we could do is get on Twitter and follow Sarah Connolly. <laughs> but I think that's, I mean, for me, uh, and this will lead back to cycling, I promise, but for me, there's an analogy about like fan homemade media. We don't really need the cycling, me- you know, we don't necessarily need the cycling media. It's wonderful. But, you know, when, yeah. it, when it's like, I mean, you know, those Rouleau articles with Lizzie and, and Sharon and stuff yeah. are fantastic. But, but you know, when you've got the BBC every day at the, at the, at the Women's Friends Life Women's Tour and it's on BBC, you know, and it's on ITV4 and you can watch it on iPlayer. And then you've got yeah. fans making their own media and making their yeah. own links. Then, you know, whether it's through Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr or whatever, then it's it's kind of very exciting. And I think yeah. that's what's going to change cycling more than anything else. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, I think I think media coverage of cycling has been democratised in that way. But I still think um, that TV coverage is key. Like, yeah. whether, even if it's YouTube footage, but still... You, you cannot get the same excitement from really Twitter feed about a bike race as you can from watching it on a screen. And um, it's an ironic thing for me to say because I don't own a TV. But um, but I think watching watching racing on TV is key. And I think that's how, how the sport will get more, build a sort of following. Of, I mean, we have some awesome followers and fans at the moment, but I think there's just so many people out there that would, would enjoy watching it, even yeah. if just for light entertainment. And just like they do... You know, men's cycling, they watch the Tour de France even though they've got no interest in cycling, let's be honest, some people. And But the Tour de France is somehow exciting, and I think women's cycling could do that as well, and um, that would be good for the sport and good for the people watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this week's amazing, this fortnight's amazing because we've got, you know, La Course tomorrow. And then the Commonwealth Games on right now with track. And, you know, I was, I nearly cried. You, you, you know, turn on the TV, BBC One at five o'clock, and there's para, para sports, blind and visually impaired tandem pairs on Main Street, BBC One. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I think that it's a, it's a really exciting time in cycling because it's such a gross sport, but especially women's cycling because there's so much potential there because it's not been so well covered in the past. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time with Lac Horse and the Friends Life Women's Tour. And I think, yeah, I just think, I think it's definitely going upwards. Yeah, and then, good. and obviously you've had, I mean, I know this is going to make you embarrassed, but you've had a role in that too, haven't you? I mean, I, all the you've never let I mean I, I think the women a lot of the women's peloton have you do a lot of campaigning and you know and, and actually whether it's you know Chloe Hosking's Pat McQuay's a bit of a dick to, <laughs> you know through to everything and, and it frustrates me sometimes when I see women cycling you know women's riders oh they always complain oh they always moan and you're like yeah. holy fucking shit they do it because they love it they're complaining and moaning because they love it if they didn't love it they just walk away <laughs> yeah I think that's that's it. I mean, um, I, I've been a bit, I just, I don't want to say I'm particularly a campaigner. I just think I've tried to speak my mind and point out things that could be improved. But it has upset me that because it's, it's become more and more work, yeah. basically. So, like, we, um, in, in a good way, and it's something I care passionately about, but it takes up a lot of my time now, and I don't sleep enough, basically. And, and then when you occasionally get you know, get criticised for whinging. Well, that, that's that's not fair. I mean, I don't I don't I, I don't think I whinge. What I do is I I point out things that could be improved, and I try and point out ways to improve them. And sometimes 
articles get printed or quotes get quoted where they only take a select bit of it and that that does upset me a bit but um that's that's just media isn't it sometimes they're not they're out to get a story and i think um i'm definitely not the only one who thinks there's a huge amount of potential recycling and it's it's not just because i'm a woman and i cycle and there are people who want to watch it as well who are calling for more coverage and um i mean um the UCI is definitely moving in the right direction and um, Mariana Voss is, I mean, I don't know how she finds time. She's incredible. I mean, she's she's been very outspoken as well and Lizzie, Lizzie's made some very good points and I think, um, you know, I think there, there's a lot of intelligent women in cycling and I think we're all moving in the right direction and I think things are definitely improving. Uh, small scale, big scale, it, it's definitely on the up and I, I want to, I want to make that point that it's a real positive time in the sport and I probably shouldn't be leaving right now but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm really happy to see it improving at that because it's something I care passionately about, obviously, um, and um, I'd like to see it continue to improve. And I think Black Horse is the start of something, something great, and I hope that it'll, it'll grow next year. You know, obviously, I'd love to see a, a longer, let's just say, a longer women's stage race mm. in France, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I don't get into trouble. But <laughs> um, what, what, I mean, one of the things I was going to ask you about is, is I was looking this week and, I mean, this is an interesting time because I think of you as like that 2008 Olympic generation. I mean, obviously you won the silver medal there in the time trial and you were really key to Nicole Cook's gold medal win. But like, you know, we just found out that Wendy Hoovenagel, who won, you know, won a silver then, has retired with very strong words for British cycling. And, you know, Vicky Pendleton was commentating at the moment on the Commonwealth and she's not, she doesn't hold back. You know, her book was full of criticism for British cycling and... You know, obviously Nicole Cook's book, Nicole Cook's book, <laughs> is coming out. You know, it's coming out at the end of the month, and that's not going to put any punches. I mean, I, do you think it's a coincidence that like all these really strong, really great stars of two thousand and eight all have the same things to say? Or, um, I think it's a, I think it's an unfortunate product of the way the sport is, and I think, um, I think if you. If you look into cycling as an outsider, if you've not grown up in it, it's a bit shocking how the, the gender disparity. I'm not going to start banging on about equal pay or prize money or anything, mm. because that's no one takes up the sport, or no one should take up sport to make money out of it. And if you make money, then cool. But I think the lack of equal racing opportunities is, is a bit stark, and that's that's unfortunate. It's reflected all the way down the ranks, but it is changing. It is changing, and I, um, you know, I'm not. There are some things. That I think need to improve in the sport, needs to change in the sport from a women's point of view, um, and I think they are changing slowly. And I think, I think you have to be a pretty strong woman to survive in the sport. So it's not surprising that that all those all those characters that you mentioned are, are so strong and, and so eloquent. Um, for myself, I'm, yeah, there are some things that I wasn't that happy about, and and I think it'd be quite easy to be, um, you know, let's say bitter about. Mm about things and I don't but I don't want to be I mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm super lucky to have the chance I've had it and I you know on the subject of something like British Cycling you know that I could never have done what I've done in the sport without their support they were absolutely key when I started cycling I mean I wasn't on the, the like the podium program or like that the talent program or the go ride program or anything because I started too late but when I did get a result British Cycling noticed it and they took me on a team training camp and they stepped me for the World Championships and they stepped me for the Olympics and then they built me a bike for the Olympics and they took me winter testing and you know I wouldn't have got that sort of medal in Beijing if I hadn't been for the sport of cycling and I'm hugely grateful and I'm also grateful that I've got to work with so many talented people at British cycling I and mean, this is a really strong pool of talent of 
coaches and, and nutritionists and, and the, the engineers and the mechanics. And that's, you know, I'm really lucky. Do I think they could maybe do something better? Um, personally, I think that, yeah, I know. Yes, of course, any, any organisation could. And I think, um, I, I think there really is a lack of a coherent British, um, sorry, a coherent women's road programme. And I think that's mm. a bit sad because it's a missed opportunity. But uh, it doesn't change the fact that I'm very grateful to, you know, to how they help me. And, uh, and it doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, they've, they've had a huge amount of success. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on the subject of Nicole Cook's book and Vicky Pendleton's book, will yeah. we have an Emma Pooley book? Yes, there is. There's going to be a book. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's not going to be an autobiography. Hang on, uh, don't get too excited. I haven't started, and you know, it took me nine years to write my PhD thesis. So, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, what I've been wanting to do for ages, and this wasn't even my idea. This was a friend's idea. It was a cookbook because um, if there's one thing I can do is make cake, and um, <laughs> and I've got more into making uh, in inverted commas healthy because I love baking for people. When it's when it's someone's birthday, I'm always the one that brings the cake, whether they want it or not. And um, and um, yes, yeah, that, yeah, I think that would be an understatement, whether they want it or not. But so and I realised after a while that sometimes people don't want to have a big like fatty chocolate brownie so I started making healthy cakes and um, yeah basically I want to write a cookbook because a friend said you, you need to write this down like how do you make a, a cookie out of lentils and um, <laughs> which I do and chickpeas um, chickpea peanut butter cookies they're absolutely delicious and um, and have no butter in them or oil and so anyway I'm gonna I am at some point gonna write a cookbook I just need to find uh, someone who will publish it for me and uh, maybe I need to get on to like a celebrity bake-off or something so that I can market it you should because, be on uh, celebrity bake-off that would be point. so cool yeah, I would love to be on celebrity I never get through the regular bake-off because I'm not talented enough and my cakes, are, my cakes aren't pretty they're delicious but they're not pretty so I wouldn't make it through the real one I'd have to somehow get in them through the back door but um, yes I do want to write a cookbook and, and like I don't know if this answers a bit of you know, pipe dream, but I would like to write a cookbook with anecdotes because most of my recipes can be like a link to a race or a story or something. And I think rather than trying to write a, an autobiography, which I think I just feel like that would just be a little bit self centered and um, and also just so boring. My life is not that exciting, um, you know. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd like to write a cookbook with anecdotes. I think, my god, that's amazing! So, if anyone knows publishers, yeah, dot 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 anyone, dot. dot. Contact yes, exactly. Really. And I mean, I, I, it never occurred to me to ask if you'd go on Strictly Come Dancing or anything like that. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, but absolutely not. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I just anyone who's seen me attempt to, like, shuffle a dance, absolutely not. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm not a... No, I've got to do something about anything more terrible for both the viewers and myself. No, no, I've got I mean, one worse. I've Maybe got, if they've got a comic relief one, I mean... Yeah, no, I've got one worse. That's good. You know, okay. these, like, putting you in the jungle where you have to you sit in coffins oh. surrounded by insects and you have to compete, and if you don't do and if you do not do well, your your whole campmate starves. Yes, no, I see jungle quite like the idea of, but being filmed, it's not really real jungle, is it? I mean, that's no. the kind of thing I'd like to do on my holidays, but not, not, with, a, not with a film crew, and it's all a bit fake, isn't it? So, oh, that's I, I agree, actually, that... Big Brother would be worse than Strictly Come Dancing in the scheme of things, but yeah, I think I think yes. it, I think it puts it giving you a competition for you to be pressurised. Where if you don't do it, your 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 camp makes yes. starve. I think that yes. would really be the one way to have Emma Emma gibbering in a corner. Yes, yeah, yes. I, I don't think I'd. And also, I'm 
I'm trying to be vegetarian for ecological reasons, so I don't want to eat, you know, like weedy grubs or whatever. <laughs> if it's got legs, I don't eat it. <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, thinking about this, so in, I mean, what is your plans? You know, you 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 ride the course, you ride the Commonwealth, and then what do you do? Um, ah, well, I have no, I have a lot of plans actually. I'm quite excited. So, um, like I said, I want to, I want to really give long course trials a good, a good shot and. So um, after after Commonwealth, I'm doing the Tazitap, so it's a charity yeah. ride. But I'm basically just going to start running again to train for um, there's nothing in duathlon, which is in September. It's uh, the long course duathlon world championships, and um, it's in Switzerland, which is handy. But um, it's also a hilly, basically a hilly, massively long duathlon, and so that's my target for September. And then later in the year, um, I'm going to try and do some races through Asia. So there's some racing in. Um, Taiwan, no, not Taiwan, in Thailand, and then go out to Australia to train and do some half Ironman and Ironman races out there, and then race in Taiwan and the Philippines and started um, 2015. Um, basically, I've got there's a, there's a lot of races I want to do which sort of follow quite a good pattern. Yeah. Um, so I've got plenty of race ideas, and then there's some mountain running too. I mean, don't get me started. Um, I've got lots of race ideas, but I need to sit down with my coach and put them into a coherent plan because if I just try to do everything, because I'm so excited about running through mountains, then obviously it's not a very good plan. But um, yeah, I've got plenty on this autumn with um, stopping, and then I also hopefully the Jungfrau Marathon, and, which I, I did last year, and um, I think one year I'd like to target that and do a bit of cycling maybe later in my life I'll try to target that because it's an awesome marathon um, lots of ideas but I need to both, both plan it out with my coach and also um, set about the marketing side of things and the PR side of things because I, you know, I'm not, not very good at that I don't have an agent I don't have a website and that's all the kind of things you need to get personal sponsors for triathlon yeah. which is obviously a very different way of structuring a sport than, than cycling but that's okay and in some ways it's really cool you get to, you get to choose who you work with and I've got some ideas, and I know that I, you know, I, I want to work with sponsors who, whose products I believe in. So, you know, even if I can't get any money, very much money, I'd still rather eat Nan's oat cakes than I would eat some horrible fake sports bar that, yeah, <laughs> that you know, is give me money. I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds a bit silly, but uh, no, 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 no. It's no, going to be makes perfect be sense. A difficult job for me to set up a website and stuff, but I'm going to have to do that side of it. And, uh, it's good to tackle it because I've been I've been meaning to for ages. I'm just a bit crap at it, and I've, I've been I've been terrible at marketing myself. I mean, I think like yeah, I don't really make money on the side in sport, and that's probably I should think about that for my pension at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> and will you carry on living in Zurich or? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I never meant to stay out there that long. It was going to be three to four years when I moved out, and um, because it, I kept deferring finishing my PhD, I've settled in and I live in another village, and everyone knows me. And I speak German, I French, and um, I've, you know I've planted stuff in the garden. And actually, it was really nice when I got home from um, from my training camp last week straight after gym. I had a lesson from the local council, um, and the Swiss aren't always. I mean, they're quite reserved, let's put that way, so they're not always that friendly to foreigners. I had a lesson from the local council, and I thought, oh no, it's another bill, or I've forgotten to trim the trees that overhang the pavement or something, or you know, I should have unlocked the drain, or I'm in trouble, basically. And it was a lesson from the local council saying, uh, congratulations on your Giro stage wins, and we're so proud to have you living in our community. And I just thought, oh, oh, I know, um, I was really chuffed. And um, so I think I'm getting to get, feel accepted. I even got, I got nominated two years in a row for Sports Personality of the Valley, which is... <laughs> Which is a big deal when you're not Swiss, but I have never won it, so maybe I need to work on that. So yeah, I'll stay living out there. Um, it must yeah. be so. It must be so. It must be so exciting to have you know your PhDs done, 
and you know kind of the world's your oyster you can make yes. choices and you know the idea of like you know racing all over the world and going traveling and seeing things at a slightly different pace yes exactly and i think that's the thing like i've spent the last few years with people, you know my friends who have sort of slightly more uh, conventional jobs saying oh you know you're so lucky you get to travel and uh, i hate traveling at the moment because you know you don't you don't dictate your own schedule for cycling there's a lot of race days a lot of travel but no, not much downtime in between, and I think with triathlon you, you can't do as, especially the long stuff, you can't just can't do as many races in a year, and you, you go out for a week beforehand to acclimatise, and you stay for a week after, because let's face it, after Ironman, you're totally knackered, you might as well stay on holiday, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to travelling at my pace, and, um, and the triathlons I have done so far, so I did a few last year and this year already, and it's already, I've noticed it's slightly different, it's just a different kind of atmosphere, and it's a bit more... Because it's a very individual sport, the long course stuff. It's very, it's a bit like a time trial, you know. If you win, it's because you're the strongest one. Yeah. And if you don't win, it's because someone else is stronger. And then good for them kind of thing. It's a lot less aggressive, basically. It's, maybe it's just because I'm an outsider, so I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe I'll realise that it's really, really uh, fingernails out. But, um, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great one for warning, but I have to say that when it, my, I'm a great one for getting stressed about my failings and the things I did wrong and, and the fact that I don't sleep enough and I'm trying to look at that as all things that I can improve and things that um, are opportunities to, to change and, and improve and, and I have to say that yeah starting a, a new a new challenge like this in, is, is really exciting and I'm, um, yeah I'm just really excited and, and I'm, I'm yeah, once again I'm really really great when I put this opportunity because um, I think I think I would struggle to go from professional cycling to office job straight away and maybe this is a good transition you know maybe I can maybe I'll have to get a part-time job um, alongside the triathlon and then it'll be a good transition for me and I think that, that'll definitely be good for me because I would struggle to go straight from yeah. everything to nothing sort of thing. yeah yeah so two more questions one yep. two, it's the course tomorrow and obviously yes. you were a really important part of making that happen um congratulations <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes, it's quite credit. exciting. Although, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take any credit for it. No, but I think, I think, um, you know, I think, Catherine, I think Catherine having the, um, you know, Catherine couldn't have done it by herself. She needed the, you know, she needed the, she no. needed the people like you who could do the meet, you know, who who could do the media stuff and to get the attention and to yeah. kind of inspire people yeah, and it be was funny our, about it. It was our joint idea to start the petition, and she's just good at organising stuff so and um yeah she got Marianne and Christian on board but I think it is yeah it's it's a, it's a, gonna be a great opportunity tomorrow for women's cycling to be seen by the world and I'm quite excited even if I'm disappointed that it's not a mountain stage yeah, yeah. but you know I'm still I'm still hoping there's a chance for an Emma Pooley ludicrous attack I mean you know you've got like enough I mean I know it's quite a very it's a short race it's a shorter race than normal but there's still going to be an opportunity yeah. for you to kind of try something incredibly stupid that might work <laughs> yeah Exactly. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty stupid. I'm sure I'll try anything. And that's, you know, that's. I mean, I think that's going to be what's going to be fun. Is is I can. I'm already imagining like, oh well, Audrey Cordon was attacking all the way through the Giro, and she's French, and Valentina yeah, Scandalara, exactly. and Vera Kuwaduda. I mean, b between all the yeah. kind of attack queens, there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, a lot of a lot. Of <laughs> it's going to be quite funny, I think. But yes, who do, yeah, who do, I think. But I think that's the key thing because if it, if everyone just rolls around and there's a bunch of sprint, that's not an exciting race to watch, and it it has to be exciting. And I think our races normally are because everyone wants to win and people want to win in different ways. But I think, I mean, it sounds so stupid. I mean, obviously I care who wins because I want my teammate to win so that 
we win loads of prize money because that's obviously really important. And um, <laughs> but it's more that it's more that I, I actually more than that, more important than any of that is that it's an exciting race um, for the people watching. That they say, hey, all the all the millions of people who've never even seen women's race say, geez, that was really good. Why don't we get to see more of this? And then they tweet ASO and say, hey, why only one day? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be my dream. Would be if all the people watching that not didn't just think it was brilliant, but let ASO know or let the UCI know and said, hey, come on. Why isn't there always race at every men's race? Because, yeah. you know, twice as good for the spectators, really. Yeah, yeah. And especially, I mean, if for a British person, this has years been so incredible, but all it does is people, whenever they see it, they want yeah. more. More, more, more. And, you know, when we watch the... So, you know, we can go exactly. from lacrosse to the Commonwealth, and then what do you do? Well, there's a gap of a couple of months, and then there's Worlds. And it, it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of interesting. There's... there's it, because the thing is, is you can get jaded. I can get jaded by it, where people just, you know, where you see people getting really shocked for the first time, and you're just like, yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> and almost forgetting yeah. to be angry about it, or forgetting to be passionate about it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. It's, it's important to maintain your core belief and sort of your principles, basically. And yeah. it's, it's true in so many ways, in sport and in life. But, um, yeah, just keep fighting for what you believe in and I think that's something that Catherine Bertin who started the petition with me and Chrissy and Mariana has, has um, pointed out to me and, and um, you know she's quite inspirational in that way um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy every time now although it does get a bit wearing every time someone says to me oh so why aren't you racing the Tour de France and I say well there aren't any women at the Tour de France and they say oh but, but you do have one don't you and I say no we don't and they say oh
and, and I, I do understand the logistical challenges and, and that and, and ASO have done a great job just getting a race up and running within how many months is it? It's, you know, nine months. They've gone from zero to this race, which is brilliant. It's, it's a big achievement, but I just think it's got potential to be a bit more. And and I get annoyed with things like um, the Ride London. That there's a men's race there, isn't there? On yeah. the Olympic on the Olympic course, basically the Box Hill Loop. Yeah. And they have a women's race, but it's a crit in the centre of London. And I just think, you know, you've had you've had years now to to think about marketing this race. You've got a big one-day men's race. Well, put on a women's race yeah. too. Just the UK of all markets, it's got a hugely growing women's cycling market, and we've got politicians who back women's cycling, who back equality. There's a big push for more coverage of women's sport, and then a race organiser is still allowed to get away with saying, "Oh yeah, we want to close the roads, and we want to police this, and we want this, that, and the other," only for a men's race. Well, I think this shouldn't be allowed in, no. in Britain. I think you can say this: people in charge of people in charge of national federations, international federations, and governments have—they do have a duty to equality, and ASO doesn't. It's, it's there to make money, but. You know, I think that, frankly, I think that British Cycling should say, you know, you, you know, you, you can't have a license for that race unless you also put a women's race on. Well, and, and the government should say the same thing. They should say, you know, you can't close the roads just for a men's race. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. That's like having only a men's toilet in every every toilet block. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's the, same, it's the same with Yorkshire. You know, this Yorkshire Legacy race. They're talking, you know, yeah. they're talking about having it yeah. the week before the women's tour, and well, except they can't this year because of the Olymp of the election. And, oh, yeah. well, yes, we'll have a women's race. And then you hear that their plans aren't to have a women's race, it's to have a women's day race. No. And then you hear the plans yes. so that actually it might not happen after all, you know, and you're like... Yes, exactly. All great ideas, but is it going to happen? And and I just think there shouldn't even be a question about it. But the, 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 there is, I mean, it is more complicated than just saying, well, just, just put on a women's race at every men's race, because there is already a women's calendar. And if, like, you know, so if there was a Tour de France now, like next year, alongside the Men's Tour de France, the Giro would have to move because otherwise yeah. it would be the same time as the Giro, and uh, you know you'd have to consider that as well with this with the uh, Yorkshire Legacy race. But if it's in May, perfect, just before the Tour of Britain, brilliant. I mean, teams could come over, do one race, and then the next race, like it used to be with say Geelong and New Zealand. And yeah. logistically, that'd be brilliant for teams because travelling to the UK is as far as they normally go. And I just, it's just, you, you, so what I'm trying to say is it's more subtle than just put on a load of races. You have to look at how the calendar pans out, basically. But and I don't, I don't really don't want with my campaigning in inverted commas I don't want to damage the great the things that are good about women's cycling at the moment but I just yeah that kind of thing massively frustrates me because yeah. if, if politicians can get away with or, or race ones can get away with making sort of positive comments at the start of a race bid and, and say yeah yeah we'd love to put a women's race on and they're never doing anything about it and it quietly fizzles out that that's just not the way it should be and I'm, I'm sure the people of Yorkshire would love to see Lizzie Armitstead racing a women's tour of Yorkshire I mean oh my god it would go crazy yeah, wouldn't it it'd go crazy and, and even if Lizzie didn't race it they'd still go crazy for it I mean look how crazy they went for Kittle he's not even blooming English yeah and, and or how I nice just, it was for Mariana Voss who actually had to have security at the Friends Life Women's Tour because she couldn't get from one side of the road to the other exactly yeah <laughs> it's lovely being a star I'm not sure I've ever tried it but you know I, I live in hope if my triathlon goes well. Yeah. I mean, so um, my last question, um, two last questions actually. So first of all, how would you like the women's cycling world and fans to remember you when they look back at your career, once you're, once you're you know, running around the world doing triathlon, when they, when they remember you, how would you like to be remembered? With fear. <laughs> what, she might come back? Yes, she might come back. No, I don't know. Um, oh, that's a difficult one. Um, what does it... Well, I, like 
I, I, quite a few people know because obviously I have, I've discussed with my team and and um, and some of the other riders that I'm friends with. And the nicest thing was how many people said, "Oh no, you know, we'll miss you," which is actually really nice. It's really nice to be missed. So I, it'd, it'd be nice to be remembered at all. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, um, I don't know. It's hard to see yourself through other people's eyes. Um, maybe for being a good loser when I lost. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, for my chocolate brownies, which I have to say are second to none. And <laughs> any of my teammates who tried my chocolate brownies, or the scones actually, they're pretty good too. They uh, they were always quite impressive. I think if people remember me for my chocolate brownies, okay. they'll be happy. And if I'm putting together an Emma Pooley show reel, you know, best of Emma Pooley career. I mean, mine are. Plue, Binder, that brilliant open to Swedberg order team time trial video where Kirsten Veal's complaining about riding behind you in the team time trial. <laughs> <laughs> what else what um, else should people what else should people look at if they want to see like classic <laughs> classic Pooley where we have the races? Oh long I don't worlds. Know. I don't know what's um what's on YouTube. I mean, I'm not quite at the level of egotism where I sit there and Google myself. And, um, <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure. It's probably not on. It's probably not on film, but I have a brilliant. I think one of the classic moments of my racing career, which is just, it was hilarious. There's two, actually there's two. So there's one. Um, I'll just I'll just describe them. You probably can't find them on, on YouTube anymore. There was one in the the Grand Buckel in 2007. So it was one of my first races with the specialised team from Switzerland that I raced with, like specialised yeah. designs for women. And we went. We somehow went to the Grand Buckel, which wasn't that big a race anymore. And it was only five days. And um, Nicole Cook's team there. Um, it was team rally, I think, at the time, was there, and they were dominating. I mean, they were winning everything because it wasn't a particularly strong field, and Nicole was out to win it. And um, the last last stage was Tourmalet, Aspin, and Descent to the finish. And, I mean, that's it was one of the few races a bit like the Giro where we had proper mountain climbs. And um, I knew I wasn't very good at descending, to say the least, and so I, I didn't really attack on Tourmalet. I just kind of rode a bit faster and managed to drop everyone. And I had two minutes at the top, which I was quite proud of, but I knew that I needed about ten to get down the descent ahead of everyone, <laughs> and um, and and the and it, it was filmed. It was filmed for French TV. And my coach then, Tim, he found Tim Williams. He found the footage on YouTube or some server somewhere, and um, showed it to me. And this is absolutely priceless. There's just this slightly surprised-looking me riding away from everyone on the hill, thinking, "Oh, this is really cool." Ha! might get the mountain jersey I didn't and then on the descent you can just see my body just tense up and just go totally like frightened rabbit headlights just totally like ah because the <laughs> back side of the tourmalet is steep and exposed and I had a bit of vertigo and it just absolutely it's, it's, it's painful to watch it really is terrible and Nicole Cook came past me I don't know my two minute gap I think I might have had three minutes on her it was gone within 5k it was just it was embarrassing it's so funny and 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 the, and the commentator's just like oh my god what is wrong with her and oh, he says he says uh oh la pauvre poulet elle est petrifiée par peur which is really alliteration but also it just means oh poor poulet she's petrified with fear and um and it that is just so funny especially when i compare to now how i am how my descending is come on this you know i'm quite chuffed with that and then there's another race it's kind of similar story which wasn't filmed ever but it was um the GP Costa Etrusca in 2009. So it's my first race with the Cervelo team. So the year before I'd got an Olympic medal and I'd, my little, my poor, lovely little specialised designs for women's team, which gave me so many wonderful opportunities. And I'm eternally thankful to the people who ran it because they were just brilliant and gave a lot of time and money to put that team together. Anyway, that, that folded through lack of support from the sponsors. And so I was running for the Cervelo team and um, 
they knew I was a climber and they knew that I wasn't particularly that great at descending. And we, this was my first race with them. I just got back from Australia two days before and it was a really hilly race um, somewhere in Italy in a hilly place. And, um, I got, you know, and we had a really strong team. I think I was in the break with um, Kristen Armstrong and Claudia Heusler and some, they were my teammates and some other people. And I attacked on the climb and got away. I was like, yes, yes, this was the plan. I'm going to win. Uh, got to the descent steep switchbacks right down to the coast I could see down for miles I was so scared I basically I rode off the first the first hairpin bend just rode off the back like rode into the bushes over the barrier fell into the nettles the other side and um, I didn't have enough of a gap for it to, to, to be able to rescue myself from this but the team car was behind me they're like oh damn Pooley so Manel who was our director then shouted to the mechanic Yo, get the bike get the bike so the our mechanic Alex rushed out of the car and grabbed my bike and put it back on the road and then Ben I was like get Pooley because I was just cowering behind the barrier because I didn't want to get back on my bike because I was scared of the descent and so the, the mechanic basically picked me up by the scruff of my neck plunked me on my bike and was pushing me down the hill with me while my brakes on full going no I can't do it I can't do it I'm scared <laughs> and he still tells the story and it, it is hilarious because I was just pathetic I was just so scared and then anyway, the brake caught me again and I just about hung on to the bottom of the descent somehow and um, and then I was sort of grazed and miserable because I'd lost my lead and we weren't going to win anymore. And then I attacked 3K from the finish and still won. So on the flat, so I was quite pleased with that. And um, and it was just the most hilarious story. And uh, I think, um, yeah, the people who saw it never were never going to stop telling it because it was just so ridiculous. So basically, get the bike! Get, get Pooley as well! Put her on the bike and push! Yeah. So basically, it was after that that I swapped my, swapped my brakes around so that I had the front brake right hand because um, that's why I kept crashing. <laughs> but, oh, well, I, I'll, I'll make a Pooley crash reel. And... Final, final, final. Now that you're leaving the cycling yep. world, well, I mean, unless they put in some mountainous races that tempt you back. Um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us any secrets? Any any secrets about women's cycling? Now you've got nothing to lose. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to burn any bridges. You've always got something to lose. <laughs> I hope that I'll always have friends in cycling. Um, I'm trying to think of something to, like, suitably juicy to tell you. Um, I don't really think... Did Ina, did Ina Teutenberg ever shout at you? No, I think Ina's lovely, and I, I really liked her. I wish she, I mean, no, she's, I think she's such different riders, and I was never anywhere near her in a sprint because I just couldn't keep yeah. up, so she never had anything to shout at me about. She actually was, um, I remember I was on a different team from her and, in, when I was in yellow and total load, and she she sort of let me into the, um, the um, high road train on a descent because she knew that I'd be happier there, and they, oh. didn't have a, they didn't have a GC contender. She just, uh, she was always really you know kind to me basically I wish I kind of wish I could have raced with her that's one of the riders that I I really miss her actually yeah from the peloton what's about Mariana about... is Mariana is Mariana really nice or is she secretly evil oh, I doubt it I don't know her that well but she seems really nice to me she's a very good actor if she's evil <laughs> yeah, no, a, couple um, of, a couple of years ago someone in a in an interview asked you about Mariana playing mind games with you and you said oh I didn't know that she did and did you did did, did that change your approach to her no, she's very clever. I mean, she'll she, she, she's studied the weaknesses of her opponents and and exploit them. But that's that's not evil. That's just racing. That's and, fun, um, exactly. It just makes you better. I have to say, it was it, it was it was it was yeah. It was really nice to um to finally drop her again on some of those times in the Giro this year. I mean, that was really nice to see her struggle because you know she's brilliant. She is only human. And that's nice. I mean, but she's always been very friendly with me, and 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 I have a huge amount of respect for her. And I think it's a, you know it's a privilege to be able to race against. Her. 